Hello and welcome to our continuing series of Green Elephant B Corp interviews. B Corporations, or B Corps for short, are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. Throughout this series we are chatting with key people in companies which have chosen to certify as B Corps and become a force for good. This week I've been joined by Fiona Gilday from Milk and Honey PR. Now Milk and Honey PR is a small, buzzing, multi-award winning London and Sydney based PR agency. They manage and nurture reputations for ambitious growth companies and they've been a certified B Corporation since August 2019. Our guest is Milk and Honey's, well, one of the job descriptions I've got is sustainability and social impact strategist. Another one is Purpose Bee, which we'll definitely talk about, uh, because Fiona has a passion for purpose, climate justice and social impact. Having studied um, sustainability business management at Cambridge, uh, and you're also working with Al Gore on the Climate Reality Leadership Corps. We will have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, Fiona. Thank you so much, Russell. It's really lovely to be here. And thanks so much for your patience with the diary scheduling. <laughs> it's part of the joy <laughs> of running a podcast, to be fair. I bet. So I like to ask an elephant in the room question. And for you, as it is with some of our other B Corp guests, is milk and honey. Now, I, if biblically, I'd probably suggest that that's um, the, the promised land. Uh, filled with milk and honey is that is that the idea behind the name yeah you'd be absolutely correct so um our founder as i'm sure you've seen from uh the background research you've been doing is is a great lady called um kirsty leeton yes. and really when she founded um, milk and honey at the beginning of 2017 it was really important to her to create as she puts it a land of opportunity um, and I think that very much that was around being a people first organisation, but um, particularly because of everything that's been going on kind of culturally and politically in the last couple of years, yeah. that's soon kind of encroached into a people and planet first organisation um, and was really kind of the impetus as well for her to, to sign up to the Be Cool movement and, and start to kind of really move us into this space and, and I guess spearhead it as well. But I think kind of coming back to, to the original question, the reason why um, she landed on Milk and Honey is she also wanted to create something different. Um, mm. And I think, you know, like an awful lot of businesses, um, not just kind of within the marketing field, but indeed kind of any industry, you know, you, you, you can get to a point where you've kind of gone up the ladder and you're doing very well and, you yep. know, you've got a nice career. But actually, when you kind of look around you and reflect on your previous experiences, everything is, is kind of not quite a cookie cutter version, but is, you know, set up in a similar way. There's all these kind of hidden rules. Yes. Um, and to be honest, one of the like most amazing, but also at times infuriating things about working with Kirsty is she just it, she does not play by the rule book. She's like, well, but why? Why do we have to do it like that? Why can't we do it a different way? Why can't we do it faster? Um, and I think, you know, particularly my experience and also that of, of the people on the team is that it is genuinely giving people freedom. I think not just to kind of develop in the way that they want to develop, but fundamentally to actually create the business that we that we are creating and that we are in together. And I think a lot of people talk about that but we are we it's it's something that's genuinely happening it's 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 not just um even i would say like decision making by committee it's very much about okay you're in this business you're ultimately going to have an opportunity to you know own a part of this business so what do you want what do you think we should do um so yeah so i think that really kind of she has very brilliantly just within the space of four years really brought that ethos to life okay that's, that's great so the, the company was formed kind of on an ethical foot footing absolutely um and and b corp kind of 
the, the moving to be a B Corp was was quick or was that? Uh... It was very quick, actually. Um, so, you know, obviously the the fact that we were a people first culture and that that was really kind of integral yeah. to every single one of our values um, was the driving force behind that. Um, but but I think that we quickly realised, OK, it's, it's great that we're nurturing the talent and it's great that we're taking care of people within the organization, but what about the communities we're in? How is our business impacting other people in terms of obviously our client base? Um, and so that really was kind of, I suppose, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The catalyst really to, yeah. to become part of the community and start that process. Um, and, and we were really lucky, you know, at the point when we were certified, I think we were just one of six UK, UK PR agencies who actually had the accreditation at the time and, and one of the first five marketing and communications agencies in Europe. So, you know, in fairness, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and what I'm really happy to say is that, you know, having come into the business, albeit as a B Corp fan, after that initial certification um, took place, that momentum is still very much there you know you I'm sure you're familiar with this Russell but the whole kind of premise behind it is that you have to keep constantly um, evaluating yourselves and, yeah. and improving yourselves um, and you know I'm really happy to say that we we take that really seriously um, and again I think that also comes back to the to the milk and honey point and the question you asked around the name because also part of the culture is about being transparent and giving people the opportunity to challenge and interrogate yeah. that and sort of keep us keep us on track. Yes yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Now, I, I also noticed that you, you've got a, a very nice logo of a bee um, uh, very popular looking after bees at the moment isn't it but yeah uh, and uh, aligns nicely to the bee corp uh, and taking on your your people first i was looking at your people beautiful set of um uh, profiles and pictures of your of your team uh, and i counted 29 bees in the hive um but i saw quite a significant male female split difference now is that was that intention and and you know we were seven seven males 22 females by my count but i, I accept uh, uh i may have got that wrong was that a deliberate people decision or was that an accidental one so i think to be transparent it was a bit of both um yeah. i think certainly in terms of from a leadership perspective um and particularly at board level it is really important uh, to us to have a lot of female representation there because even though um, historically the PR industry has been quite female heavy in, in the main. I mean, that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but that has been the trend. Um, actually, what was happening was you'd get up, like so many other industries, once you got up to board limit uh, level, all of a sudden that transitioned to um, respectfully white middle-aged men. Um, so, so that was very much something that we, we drove on purpose. Yeah. Um, we are still in the process of really kind of being on that um, diversity, equality and inclusion journey. So I think definitely it's not just about wanting to, to get more of a balance in there um, from a gender perspective, but also to really look at that much more holistically. Um, look at ableism, look at age. So I'm sure you will also notice we've got some really kind of prominent employees who are of a certain heritage, um, you know, and, and that it's really embarrassing to have to kind of almost call that out, particularly, you know, in this kind of forum. But again, the trend has been, well, you kind of hit 40. It's not quite like being an actor in Hollywood but you know what I mean you sort of hit 40 and then you're dead in the water um whereas I suppose back to back to the conversation we were having you know just the chat we were having before this like yeah. it's like well, why why is that you know and um again like for me it's it's one of, it's one of the things I really enjoy about the team you know I love talking to people like Petrina who's our head of operations because she just has a very different perspective on things because of her background and, you know, because she's um, hasn't necessarily kind of been in PR per se her entire life. Adam, who's our head of content, you know, also absolutely hilarious. 
but again, just brings something very different, not just culturally, but also in terms of the way that we approach things. And I think particularly because there's such a kind of focus on youth, you know, that's really, that's actually really valuable then for some of the younger guys that are coming in um, who don't have any experience to be able to kind of, um, in, you know, chat to and have access to sort of those other people beyond just the kind of official line management structure. But it, I mean, in a, a small and medium-sized businesses, I mean, consciousness of the diversity issues is as important as as kind of dealing with them, isn't it? Yeah, I think absolutely. And again, like really to your point, you know, it's this isn't just about us. Um, it's not just about us being seen to do the right thing it's also about actually having kind of very conscious um hiring um policies in place to sort of to to make sure and, and recruitment processes in place we work with a really fantastic um recruitment partner dean um to to really kind of just ensure that we are not just getting a broad mix of people in to sort of tick a box and yeah. hit a quota but genuinely to be able to deliver better service and look at things from, from a, in a multifaceted way, which obviously yeah. you don't get if you're all kind of like 20 to 25 and, and hanging out in Soho every night. And to be clear, I'm not saying that other agencies are all like that no. um, at all, but, but it's, it, you're right, it is something that you have to, to work at, but then you have to live it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of the final thing I'd say there is that's also why um, we have challenged ourselves as a business, not just to look at it kind of in terms of supporting ourselves, but actually, OK, how can we support the industry as a whole? Because um, you very graciously uh, probably skimmed over the topic or, or maybe you're about to come on to it. But I think we all know that PR in particular has a massive diversity issue. I mean, it is, it's, it is predominantly white um and it's actually kind of then we've said right okay well let's help actually get you know 250 people into feed them into the industry and genuinely kind of get them embedded and the point is yeah that isn't just about being self-serving it's genuinely about no this this needs to change so let's do everything within our power even collaborating of course with with our competitors and in inverted commas to make that happen yeah yeah, and, uh, and and I suppose again in the in the B Corp environment, it's a lot easier because uh, there are diversity groups, and of course you could probably quite happily and openly talk to your competitive B Corps with with a, a far more you know open agenda. Yeah, I mean, I really think so. You know, I I, I appreciate that there are different schools of thoughts on this. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons I, I was quite excited about chatting to you today, like given your background. But um, my perspective, even looking at this from a wider perspective, is because of all the sustainability challenges that we're facing, there's plenty to do, right? Yes. There's, no, there's no shortage of work here. No. So, so actually... Um, and you know this, like it does require a collaborative mentality to actually, not just a mentality, collaborative action to, to fix these issues, to get to the crux of them and, and make yeah. kind of real change. So um, I think the more that, you know, it's, it's, I spoke about it earlier in the year, but I think it's one of the things, one of the really positive things that I've seen coming out of the last year is I just feel that culturally the industry has become less competitive and a bit more Oh, wow, that's great. You're doing that. I really respect that. How can we maybe work together on it? Um, or, or what are the things that we can potentially tackle together to make a difference? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. And I think, you know, attitudes have changed a little bit. But you, you mentioned to me before we started uh, recording about COP26 and diversity in, in that. What's your, what's your standpoint with diversity in uh, on that upcoming conference or ongoing conference. I think it's something going on with the Prime Minister um, this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. So he is, I believe, involved in the Leaders Summit, yes. which um, um, the US has obviously kind of come out today and said, um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said that they are going to um, now uh, reduce emissions by 50% by, by 2030, which obviously is, is amazing and, and yes. much needed. And 
um, yeah, I think that um, it's obviously, it's been a challenging time. Um, you know, it's, we really need this to happen. Um, but I think it's disappointing that particularly the initial lineup was so uh, focused, um, frankly, bar Alok Sharma on, on, on predominantly, again, white middle-aged men. And I think just to be clear about that, it's not just because I'm an absolutely raging feminist, albeit that I am. Um, it's because I think what you people, <laughs> be honest about it, own it, you know. Yeah, why not? Um, I, I, think, I think maybe where the, for me, where the disconnect is, and again, I just want to emphasize, this isn't about me lecturing people, it's just kind of the realities of where we are, yeah. is that the, 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 the people who are most impacted by climate change, as you know, yeah. are not those of us in our kind of nice uh, middle-class setups. You know, it is, it is women and it is people from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. And again, you know, that's not necessarily just in sort of the global South. That's actually happening kind of right here in the UK and, and also in, in places like the US. Yeah. So I think sort of for COP26, it was just very disappointing to see that those communities who are being most affected and who should be part of the solution aren't aren't really being represented or if they are they're sort of being relegated to roles that aren't um at, you know, at the main table and, yeah. and don't get me wrong i think there's there's been huge progress in in terms of like the, the youth summit is obviously happening in milan beforehand albeit I personally think there shouldn't be such a thing as youth summit they should just be at the main summit but but you know I think it's it's really positive that that is happening yeah um and obviously since then you know it has also been announced that um there is going to be a, a sort of you know Alicia Herbert's been announced as the gender envoy so that is also positive and a step in the right direction but I think that's why we've been seeing things like she changes climate sort of bubbling up um, in the news and, and on social media. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, like, why am I so passionate about this when I'm in PR? Well, well, quite simply, because I think these conversations aren't happening enough with our clients either. Ah, right. And I think respectfully, people are coming at looking at their own businesses and things from a very... Um, as is all the challenge with diversity stuff quite a narrow point of view yes um so so yeah so so i think that whole area and, and climate justice is something i really really care about and we'll maybe come on to talk about this but um hopefully hey, let's talk about waffling, it now. hopefully without waffling too much um, let's, let's let's talk about that uh, now. We, we've done diversity what what it i mentioned that you you uh, in one of the uh, write-ups i think it's on your website it says you're working with al gore for the climate calam calamity well it is a calamity for uh potentially but a climate reality leadership core another core um tell me about it because i i until i read about it i hadn't i hadn't really come across it much or al gore had come across of course yeah, absolutely. And I should just say here that Kirsty and I have a running joke about, you know, the fact that I'm not actually best mates with Al Gore. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, I was hoping I could, you could get him. Sorry, on sorry to say, sorry to break that to everyone. <laughs> I know it's coming to shock. Um, but but yeah, I mean, that actually, um, I think to just go back a little bit more, that really connects back to sort of why I everything was kind of reignited in me around this area last year. Um, because um, in my sort of, um, I, I basically, I was, I was unemployed. I, my, my contract was wrapped up in March. I was unemployed. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with myself. I had obviously been in this space previously, but hadn't really educated myself. Um, really embarrassed to say, had been incredibly naive, actually, about the, the bigger issues at hand. I mean, I think, yes, of course, I was aware of them. Did I fundamentally fully understand them? Probably not, because I'd focus more on the social impact space. Yep. And the, the sort of climate reality thing came about because I um, happened to come across this incredible um, session with Mary Robinson, um, who, as you know, I'm sure, actually had her own institute around climate justice. 
Um, and, you know, I was really, really lucky. We got to do a Q&A and, and I sort of asked her a, a question around, you know, women, um, how can women sort of be more involved in this in this movement and, and, and make a difference? And she quite simply said, well, I think we've seen this, like you've got a voice, you've just got to use it. You know, we've had Me Too and everything, you've just got to use your voice. So that was, I suppose, a real rallying call. And, and through that, I was like, oh, obviously then like, opening up this whole area around climate justice and, and really looking into it and that was how I came across the the climate reality organization and it just so happened that um obviously because of everything going on they were like we're going to do virtual training this year for the for the first year ever sign up I think I, there was only a couple of days to sign up um, and, and then just fortunately, because they had so many applications, they actually ran a number of sessions. So I, I managed to do it in September. Um, and again, like it was even aside from the fact that the actual program, I suppose, the premise of it is really that they're creating kind of a, a climate, climate reality leadership core. Um, and that is really about activism, but, but through speaking truth to power. So again, it's it's not about um, being down on on other forms of activism, but that is the that is the model that that kind of the climate reality core is all about. So it's allowing you to really empowering you, I guess, to really go and um, you know get in front of your politicians or your representatives, get involved in community initiatives. Like for example, at the moment we are obviously working up towards hopefully COP twenty six going ahead in, in November but really kind of using your voice and, and giving you the resources to, to go out and do that confidently, not just necessarily with people of influence, but even like the way we are now, just to have a, have yeah. a conversation about it. Um, and I think, you know, understandably, because it started in the US, it, it, yes, it is incredibly US centric, but, but, but the tools from it are amazing. The European movement is growing yeah. Um, there's clearly a big emphasis now uh, because of everything that's going on like in the UK. Um, and I think the other thing that was just brilliant was was just being sort of thrown together with people from all different backgrounds, all different perspectives um, and realising, right, OK, we're all coming at this slightly differently. But but fundamentally, we, we believe in, the, you know, we want to get to the same place and, uh -huh. and we want to genuine need to sort of make a make a difference here so um yeah I mean that's been I, it's something that I I want to really kind of put much more of a focus now on the next six months um and and but it's it's been really amazing to be involved in yeah it's an interesting problem I think the the, the internationalization of the problem because we you know we we talk B Corps is an American um institution that's where it started Cradle Cradle started out of the uh, US. If you're in manufacturing and looking for that cradle to cradle type activity, you're talking about this one. Okay, it comes out of the US. US is a bed of innovation. You can't deny that. Yeah. But climate is not geographically bound. Not no. really. I mean, obviously there are <laughs> geographical differences yeah. in the climate you'll experience, but all said and done, we all operate in an interconnected climate. And, uh, and, and the fact that it came from Germany or Russia or America or Britain or wherever it came from as a movement, it really, we need to get, we need to drop the bias, really. <laughs> I, 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 you are preaching to the choir. I couldn't I know, agree I more. Um, and again, I think that feeds in really nicely. It's fascinating kind of as well, I think, from a business perspective, you know, because because yes. I think people are are looking at this very much from a right. OK, well, what are the issues I might come across this year? What are the things my business needs to prepare for? Yeah. And, and I just don't know if if everyone's kind of connecting. Well, actually, this this is happening everywhere in, in different in different guises, as you say. And then also from a just normal person human perspective um i think the last year has been a really interesting study because in theory we have all been going through the same thing at the same time with the pandemic yeah um but but it's kind of like okay guys this is you know this was bad um and i you know i'm not 
at all being minimizing that or, or being disrespectful to, to the losses and, yeah, and, and the incredible hardships that everybody's experienced. But it's like, this is kind of the, the dummy run here for, for something bigger. So um, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that in fairness, a big positive to come out of the last year is the fact that we have become more used to being interconnected and just think nothing of jumping on a video call with somebody halfway around the world when maybe we wouldn't have been as inclined to do it beforehand no um, yeah it, it took it took a serious uh emergency to to change people's attention but do you feel like is a growing groundswell I, I should, again i'm probably leading you into uh, agreeing with me probably um but the, the are we treating the current climate as the emergency everyone's calling it If you see what I mean? I do, I do see what you mean. Um, I think there is a groundswell. There yeah. definitely is. Mm. Um, but I think it's like anything, right? It's like, how do you talk, you know, in, in fairness, probably a little bit hypocritical of, of me to say after some of the things I've just talked about, but how do you talk to people about this and engage with them in a way that's not just sort of fear-mongering and terrifying but it's actually like all right the, there are some solutions here it's going to take all of us getting behind it but but we do actually have the solutions we've just got to make it happen and again that was another reason why I loved the climate reality um leadership core experience because because we really looked at that as well as just the problems um but I guess it's like anything right if it's not immediate if it doesn't feel immediate there's, there's always the kind of busy stuff you know urgent seemingly urgent stuff that, that maybe gets in the way um but I do think definitely like culturally there's been a huge shift and I think you even see that in things like um you know there was that and I often talk about this there was that amazing and um, just a little bit did you watch the morning show no watch the morning show Okay. Watch the first series. I don't know what the second series is going to be like, but in the, I'm pretty sure it's in the first episode. There's just an amazing interaction between a uh, Reese Witherspoon and a guy who's filming at a, a protest outside of a fossil, um, it's basically a, you know, oil um, refinery. Um, and yeah. she, in her dialogue with him, she just kind of cuts through the, cuts right to the heart of kind of like the challenge of like yeah the left always you know mm. does this and the right always does this and we never actually make any change and I've now totally um missold it to you but but yeah have a look at it because it's it just it it really was like oh wow this is kind of front of center and then okay things like Michaela Cole and I may destroy you like I thought the way that she wove in environment you know in every single episode it was nodding back to the environmental crisis and then I suppose crucially as well people's experience of that who weren't like white middle class England um so it's it's just I suppose I'm hoping that we'll kind of because we're at this I hate this phrase but like tipping points yeah it is actually going to tip us all into into more action yeah and some of the some of the uh, goals that have now been set with uh Boris Johnson saying what was his 78% cut by 2035 I think he was promising and a, a yeah which which again I think is really positive to see right that we're we're also waking up to the fact that oh actually we don't have until 2050 um, no. so it's really positive to see more of an emphasis being placed on the next 10 years and 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 again e easy for me to sit here and say but but totally doable I think if we all get behind it well, and I'm I'm great glad we've had this conversation because it these these are these are tough subjects and everyone's got an opinion um, and there are there are still naysayers to the whole climate uh, man-made climate change aspect to it. But all said and done, regardless of how it's occurring um, and why it's occurring, even if it's natural progression of the Earth cycles, it's happening rapidly and. It's never happened whilst humans have been on Earth. Um, <laughs> and and so whatever happens, we're going to have to learn to cope with it. Uh, and it's, yeah. it almost seems a little bit petty to drag us kicking and screaming away from these big subjects down to talking about 
business uh, in the UK uh, surrounding uh, PR, but I'm going to do it because I certainly want to know you a little bit. More. Nicely, nicely segued. I'm not sure I would have managed that, but then that's why you were <laughs> podcast host and I'm the guest. <laughs> uh, I'm learning every every day. So uh, let's let's just get back to the subject. But before we dive into milk and honey specifically as business. Did you fall into PR? You, you, you took a degree in business sustainability management and then. Yeah, I mean, I think just to be totally transparent, Russell, that I only studied that last year. Oh, was that? OK, I yeah. missed that. No, that's fine. That's um, fine. I, yeah, I know a, a PR person who tells the truth. No, I'm just joking. No, I like it. Um, so, uh yeah, I, I, I only that was that was a you know kind of last year when I was. Oh in well, well done for that. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, like in fairness, like an awful lot of people did, and I have I have an amazing. I'm gonna give him a little shout out, Paul Randall. He's an old colleague of mine, yeah. and you know, I happened. He happens, you know, in fairness, he reached out to me, and then we ended up having a conversation. He and I was like, I'm thinking about doing this, and he was like, Do it. It's amazing, and and it really was. So actually, I, I might, if you look, actually, I did an English degree. All um, right. OK, well, that, so, I mean, that's good as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely helped. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I absolutely fell into PR. I was kind of one of those. I kind of wandered around doing various things uh, for a couple of years, including being a, a teacher in Italy and, and hanging out in Dubai for a couple of years, trying to do... Um, customer relations management for, for people like General Motors, which um, funnily yeah. enough, being a sort of 22 year old English grad pro probably wasn't my, wasn't, wasn't my happy space, but I did learn a lot and obviously met some amazing people. Yes. And yeah, I, it's that cliche thing, Russell, I wanted to be a journalist um, and mm. I, I started on that path, again, did my training and um, I worked at a local newspaper, which will remain nameless and I really sucked. Um, I was really uh, just really bad at it and um, I think that the real kind of defining moment was when I wrote something up um, and came in the next week and it had kind of gone from sort of like a bit of fisticuffs in in said town to like riot and and I was like oh god I, I can't do this um, so yeah so then I, I kind of was like right what am I going to do now and and it was PR and that 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 was the beginning of that. And and obviously that that's where you you've stuck throughout by the looks of um, your profile, as I can see. Yeah, I mean it has been fundamental. You know, I've had some really kind of really amazing experiences working with kind of other agencies and 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 clients, and I guess looking at things as we would say kind of more across the communications mix but fundamentally it is it is where I've stuck um and in fairness you know if I hadn't then we wouldn't be sat here having this conversation so no this is true how lucky you are exactly <laughs> um so, <laughs> so what you've ended up in in milk and honey um and not, not literally the the company um and, and obviously if, if fairly uh, go-ahead company by, by all intents and purposes of what you, you've said before and a, a string of recent awards this year just to list the ones that I spotted the Global Agencies Award finalist 2021 the PRCA Workplace Champions finalist 20, this again this year Company Culture Awards 2021 PR Week Best Places to Work 2021 shortlist what, what makes Milk and Honey such a great PR company. I think because coming back to the beginning of the conversation, it's that we, and don't get me wrong, we haven't got this perfectly. We haven't done this perfectly, sorry. But I think it's because rather than putting people through the kind of traditional agency process where they're kind of stuck into little boxes and they progress in a very set way, you know, we've had people right from the moment they come in, it's like, great, you help us with the marketing. Great, like absolutely go and pitch. Yep, let's work on new business. Yes, you present. Um, which, 
it's not just only much more rewarding for them but I have to say as well you know it's 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 a much better way of working um you know because at the end of the day like you you learn just as much as kind of a I won't say my age but you know um all you know kind of somebody who's been in the game for sort of 15 16 years you know it's amazing to then be thrown up against people who are coming at things from a different perspective like challenging you and, and really invested I think that's the word kind of invested in what they're doing yeah um you know in terms of the awards like we also really kind of drive ourselves to to do really good work for our clients as well um so I think while it's it of course it's it's important it's it's not just a vanity thing it's because we also want to kind of create a culture where we're we're proud and 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 we're kind of really making our partners and our clients proud as well um but but I think that is probably the the secret source to it is is that um there's much more people and, and I really hope they did they say this as well I'm fairly confident they would but I think it's because people feel empowered and genuinely if people sort of come to us and say right I'm actually really interested in doing this we've got the kind of structure and the flexibility to be like okay great let's let's have a look at that let's look at what that might look look like and and build that into the business plan and and then hopefully make it happen okay so does the company seek out uh clients that are purpose-led as well or do you seek to draw clients into a more purposeful uh, existence so that is an excellent question um again going to lead us down into a nice little little road of discussion uh whatever road of discussion is but anyway um i liked so so we do of course work with clients who are purpose-led um yes. some of those include um luca who's this really incredible Colombian ethical chocolates um, producer um, who are genuinely doing really, really um, impressive and kind of standout work in kind of transforming yeah. that that whole kind of process and, and, and the way that industry is, is run. But I like to say that we also are open to purpose curious clients and ventures and businesses because I think there's a couple of things like... Um, but you know this like we're not going to get I think it and again I, I know other agencies have done this and it is not a criticism it's personally I don't see the value in saying right we're only going to work with people who are kind of whiter than white or really already on this <laughs> journey because it's like okay that's great um but actually in terms of making an impact don't we actually have to help the people who are who are and the organizations who are who are struggling with this yeah um I will even go as far as to say, you know, I I understand people's perspectives on fossil fuels. Yeah. But again, it's like, well, that whether we like it or not, that is a huge, huge, vast industry. They're the top polluters. So actually, given the impact that it's going to have on employees, communities, et cetera, if those businesses fold, don't we also have, have an obligation to, to maybe see that a little bit differently, which, which I know is controversial and probably now I'm going to get trolled, but that's okay <laughs> um well no i i i can't i i agree with you i we spoke with um a fellow podcaster will richardson from green element not elephant uh, but the green element and his company is an environmentalist but he he spoke very highly of companies like bp now normally you'd steer well clear clear of you know as an environmentally I wouldn't say he was an activist, well, maybe he is, but somebody who's, who's very conscious of environmental impacts working for BT and then speaking quite highly of them until they lost their recent chairman and uh, and now he's lost a bit of respect. But, you know, they are trying. They are uh, trying in a very difficult situation. If we all felt so badly about fossil fuels, we'd all get rid of our cars. Um, yeah. We'd be uh, running around on horseback, wouldn't we? We would or penny farthings i feel like they they need to make a comeback yes maybe um Ow. yeah and i'm i um i think shell is doing some interesting work as well yeah. from just bits and pieces i've seen in terms of the okay the the, the carbon 
zero offsetting, I'd probably have some question marks around because I mean, obviously, there's only so many trees we can plant. And I'll leave it there. Yes. Um, but but in terms of the development that they're doing around um, alternative fuels and, um, you know, carbon neutral fuels, I think I'm like, yeah, that that's that's actually genuinely making a difference. And, and the point is, is that um, those businesses in particular need to be rewired. I mean, obviously, if you're genuinely yeah. about purpose, then it's it's not just about kind of oh, we're going to do some nice PR <laughs> And, and marketing and, and talk about all the stuff that's fun it's actually like right we're going to really look at our business model and and still kind of achieve our growth but do it in a way that that causes less impact and less you know harm and 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 also that 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 count that kind of looks at the way we're using and allocating um and accounting for natural resources so yeah i mean it's it's um i think it's and again, look, I'm ashamed to say I've been a bit guilty of this in the past. In the past, I think a little bit like everyone's talking about um, cancel culture. I think there's been a real thing around sort of almost sustainability slut shaming. Yeah. And it's even like I remember, um, and, and full disclosure, like I, I was quite snooty about this as well at the time, you know, when um, actually it's, it's, it's not sustainability related, but from a sort of social impact purpose perspective, I remember a couple of years ago, um, Gillette tried, you know, launched this campaign around um, men and, and, and trying to kind of position a more inclusive uh, version of manhood. And actually it's like, well, okay, they maybe didn't really hit the mark, but, but they tried. So, so maybe if we all kind of back to the collaborative point, actually, you know, gave people some some constructive inputs. I mean, it's like, aside from anything else, I don't think we've really got the time to all kind of um, stand on the sidelines having a slanging match with people. It's it's like, right, well, you know, actually, actually, uh, frankly, just everybody needs to be brought into the fold. That's that's kind of my position on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and what people are searching for is probably at the moment the least worst situation there's nobody doing anything perfectly yeah because it's it's not kind of possible really at yeah it, it, totally and, and you know i've even read things you know from people who've been in this field for years who are you know years and years and years and they're like well i i would never position myself as an expert because there's no such thing because we are all still learning and that's absolutely true like we only know we can only do the best based on what we know right now. Yeah, and that and and to be honest, the number of things that have been debunked and uh, you know, all said and done, the, the world changed when we took lead out of petrol and everyone thought it was brilliant because it was producing yeah. less. And little did we know we were heating the planet up on the way through. Yeah, uh, it's it's so it's so easy to be critical with foresight. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And, so PR must be a ruddy nightmare, really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I've always deemed PR to be like a big business thing and where a small business like myself wouldn't use PR. We do marketing and then you grow up from marketing to PR. Um, am I wrong? I don't think it's about being wrong. I just think it's about... <laughs> this what we're talking about like life's moved on things have evolved you know and and it's I suppose I mean I, I'm guessing also when you think of PR you think like editorial or be it online you think of like but yeah and it, absolutely it is that but but kind of it's it's everything else around that it's um you know aside from all the things like SEO and being discoverable the, the big thing is, is, is it's about your reputation, you know, that, that hasn't changed. But the point is now, isn't it, is that it's no good just saying, yeah, we're great, and we're really great, and we do all this stuff, and we're really great over here, and oh yeah, and we're kind of doing this over here, and yeah, we do it, we say we do it, so we do it. It's, you have to actually do it. Um, so, you know, I, I get into some interesting conversations where, where understandably people are like, yeah, but you know, you like, what, what can you do? Like you just spin and it's like, oh, okay. Like absolutely, totally fair enough in the past, but, but really 
now if you're if you're nurturing reputations which again as you've probably noticed is is, is really kind of fundamental to our our business and our brand and our ethos yeah um you've got to kind of get people to actually take action and and be be transparent um so it's fascinating it's challenging it's fast um i think that traditionally um maybe we haven't had the same seat at the table in in terms of consultancy that that maybe we could have done but again i think one of the huge benefits of you know just by the nature of it is that you everybody who's kind of come up through the industry you you kind of have to fully understand the business that you're working on and, and at yeah. least have a sense of it because otherwise you can't really effectively communicate about it and crucially persuade other people to do so so i think just coming from that perspective and that discipline is is really helpful in 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 this whole area yeah i think you hit the the, the spin phrase hit the nail on the head i think from the having sat in the um you know sat through or grown through the Saatchi and Saatchi days and the uh, the Margaret Thatcher moving through to the you know the person on uh who in September 2001 said this is a good day to publishing bad news yeah PR got a really bad reputation um and, and rightly so and and if so we're being honest you know it's no, it, it is yeah uh, but but the the new PR the, the the milk and honey style PR purpose led means that it's a, it's about giving the right messages for what you're doing, not try and spin your way out of the wrong messages. Absolutely, and I think beyond that, it's about accountability. And I think certainly for us, the ambition in the future is is to be in a position where we can partner with the right people to to help. The clients and the organizations they're working with in a consultative capacity to be like right well how how do you actually go about this like where do you start yeah um you know and having done dipped my toe in that in the past like it's it's again like you need to be careful and do it do it properly and, and involve the genuine experts absolutely um but it's i think that that is something that increasingly people need that there isn't this kind of like I know you know there just isn't that this separation anymore in the way that there has been because no. you know everybody's got access to your organization and to information and also in fairness there's nothing really to stop your employees anymore going public because they don't have to phone up the sun anymore they can just post something on social media yeah has changed things quite fundamentally yeah absolutely I, I fear we could talk. We could, do you know what? I'm actually really enjoying that. I could be talking absolute rubbish, Russell, but I'm really enjoying the chat. And so much well, time, yeah. I, don't, I don't really want to kind of go back to my uh, my, my day job, but you, I suppose you like you, I have to. You, you will do. But before you go, right. I've got a few things that... Oh, yes. One, one thing, uh, actually, I, want, I do like asking our B Corp people, because obviously... You, you've gone through the work of being a B Corp and you won't be long before you're into the process of recertification. Um, why is it so valuable as a, as a certification and, and a community? Why, why do you find it so valuable? I think personally, and in terms of milk and honey, it's, it's meeting people such as yourself. It's forming those connections because mm -hmm. all of this stuff is so vast and all-encompassing that you you can't you know so I think even in terms of figuring out how to tackle it as a business figuring out how to support the clients on it you really need to have that network and I think also the the value is really in it, it just absolutely forces you to kind of scrutinize how you run your business and look at that kind of triple line and yeah okay right how are we impacting the planet how are we impacting people um but again i think the, the most valuable and exciting thing for me is the talent aspect it's the people who mm. want to come and work with you yeah and who really believe in it it's 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 incredible from that perspective i've had that said a couple of times community and the talent uh, and that's quite an interesting benefit of being a b corp is that people 
hunt you out. Yeah, they do. You know, I, you know and, they're, and they're good at what they do. They know they're good at what they do, but now they want to work for somebody who's good at being good or better at being good, perhaps. Yeah. Brilliant. So uh, I asked you um, before you came on the show uh, if you had a tip or an action that you could uh, provide for our herd of listeners. What have you got for us? I absolutely do. Um, and I, it may be that um, one of your one of your previous guests has touched on this. But, uh, rep- um, repetition for emphasis, I say, every time. Well, exactly, exactly. Well, so my tip is really around looking at your tech and doing your best to upcycle it. So mm. really from a pragmatic perspective, we're all in this situation, let's be honest, where we toddle off and every couple of years we upgrade our phone. Yes. And I think actually that has an absolutely horrific impact um, that isn't really being talked about. So I actually only looked into this as, as part of the, the studies last year. But um, I think just to touch on a few things, aside from kind of electronic waste, it means that, you know, again, all the people and communities who are involved in mineral and metal mining, that is highly dangerous. It's not regulated. It's often happening in kind of war-torn conflict areas. Um, Similarly, it's just that your... the, the, the process itself is, is very energy intensive and isn't necessarily always being always being delivered in an energy efficient way. So if you can eat, I can't, I'm sorry, I meant to bring the stat, which is really annoying, but I think it's something along the lines of if you can increase your phone from two life to four years, I think it reduces your kind of carbon emissions and kind of negative impact massively like it's i remember when i read it last year it was insane the the, the um, phone is quite yeah i spoke to honest mobile where another b corp um don't sell phones but they they, they do promote a recycled phone manufacturer or remanufactured phone re, um company. yeah and, and yeah i absolutely I, I i proudly at the moment hold an iphone 7 i say proudly at the moment because its battery is <laughs> Uh, it's barely lasting half a day now but you know i i I think i've i might have stretched it to its limit at six years i think yeah but but yeah i I think that 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 quick i've got to be have i've got to have the latest tech is is kind of wrong it's really damaging it's but i mean that's a whole other discussion which we can get into another time it's it's really damaging i think maybe if i can do a bit of a bit of a plug here although it's not really a plug because i don't do pr for them i'm not being paid for them so actually it's fine um but i would encourage everybody to go out and have a look at fairphone because they're yeah because their phones are um built built to last like they give you a kit so you can they empower you to can actually repair it yourself you get a little screwdriver and everything it's really quite simple and actually having having recently got one they're really they're actually very good phones um so you know that is something i think to consider but but anything you can do with any of the tech in your life to to just elongate its its life and and reuse it is 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 definitely going to have a very positive impact yeah yeah, I agree. We also had a chat. It wasn't a B Corp, but a very, I don't believe, but there's a, a company that does remanufactured laptops and can extend your laptop by three years. Wow. So taking it from a four to five year life cycle, which we should be stretching our laptops to at least, to seven to eight. Um, wow. And and you get it back and it looks brand spanking new and you wouldn't know. And it's been upgraded to, to be supported, to to get onto the latest versions of software and things so there's lots you can do on that and i love that as a tip um we haven't had that specifically before so you you are unique at this point what about a recommendation for us to read or watch or enjoy so this isn't related to what we're talking about at all and um it's nor is it necessarily particularly current but having had a bit of a false start with the queen's gambits I absolutely urge everyone, if you haven't, and I'm sure everybody else has, but if you haven't, please watch it. Please watch it. It's just, I have never had any interest in chess. No. It's one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. It's just so beautifully um, put together, shot, acted. Um, Really, really interesting story, like an awful lot going on there. Um, 
I also just can't, and again, this is totally unoriginal, but I, I can't pass up the opportunity to mention Helen McCrory. I just, she, she was one of my, well, still is obviously, absolutely one of my favorite actresses. Again, I could talk about her for about another hour and we obviously won't, but um, on that note, I've, I've dipped back into, into Peaky Blinders series five, which so far halfway through episode two, very good people. So again, if you haven't got to that, then do check it out. Yeah, so I can completely concur with uh, Queen's Gambit. It's, it's only a short series as well. So for those binge watches, you can probably get it done in a night if you're clever. Yes. Um, <laughs> For those, for those that are more of a subtle watcher, it's a great, it's a great individual episodic um, piece. I really enjoyed that myself. And yeah, you're right, beautifully shot. The scenes and the and the periodization of it, absolutely. Yeah. But one thing on topic, I suppose, is it's a great insight into um, gender issues of the 1950s, yeah. 60s. Um, quite quite an insight into her experience yeah uh, and yeah shame about Helen McCrory that's uh, that was a real real shame mm. um okay well should we wind it up on a lighter note let's and uh where I get to humiliate uh ask you some questions <laughs> yeah don't worry You've, you will absolutely humiliate me but that's fine no, no I'm not I'm not gonna I'm I, I never choose to humiliate. People become humiliated, but I don't set up to do it. So in fact, or fake, I have got you a few little factual fakes around marketing. So six, if I give you a statement, you decide whether I'm telling you a lie, whether I've and altered the figures or whether I'm telling you the truth. You know, fact or fake. 61% of companies believe their social media customer service is exceptional, while only 28% of customers say they agree. Is that a fact or is that a fake? 61% of companies believe their social media is brilliant, while only 28% of their customers agree. I'm going to go fake. Ooh. What do you think it is? Do you think it's higher or lower or what? I'm just like, surely companies realise their social media is awful. Well, you're going to be uh, shocked. You are right. 80% um, of companies believe their social media is exceptional, while only 8% of their customers said they agreed. So a massive divide uh, in understanding there, but you, you, you're you absolutely right. That was a fake I first said. Okay, number two then. 87% of consumers say that social media helps them make shopping decisions. Is that a fact or a fake? 87 for that. Fact. Mm -hmm. And you're correct. Um, actually, one of the biggest ones, uh, I was quite surprised at, is Pinterest. Yes. Uh, people go there for ideas. They don't necessarily buy off the back of it, but they go there for colour ideas or design or structure or whatever and uh, and see what other people have curated in a, on a subject. It's, it's interesting. I don't like Pinterest, but that's that's me. No, I, I'm not a big, but I think, yeah, definitely, especially for things like, um, you know, if you're doing up your home or something and also whatever they've done it seems to just pop right up to the top of your search algorithm at the moment so i think that's yeah. one of it as well as people clicking through very clever the final one you've already won so all i can do is get a, a uh, some passing shots yeah some passing shots so 2.9 billion people use email every day and that number is expected to reach a staggering 3.3 billion by 2023 is that a fact or a fake Hmm. 2.9 billion people every day. Mm. I'm going to go fake. Oh, no, like you've got a clean sweep. All at the last hurdle. No, you're right. 3.9 billion. So another billion on top of what I said. Use email every day. So that's, that's two thirds of the world's population, really. Yeah, it did. It did sound a little bit. A little, a little low. low. Oh, I wasn't clever enough. 
<laughs> that number expected to reach a staggering 4.3 billion, probably because we're growing in population so much. But the, I, I was kind of surprised at that because I thought the use of email was subsiding. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I obviously don't have the, the data on it. I, I kind no. of surmise, though, that particularly with um, the fact that so many um, kind of emerging markets now are becoming mobile first, yeah um, and, and maybe not even necessarily always on the smartphones that that's probably possibly influencing it yeah maybe well it's, it's, email is very accessible but the thing is everyone all the companies use it um so it's yeah. very difficult to escape isn't it, it is. so with that devastating defeat for me uh on fact or fake i can just thank you very much fiona for joining me on the green elephant show thank you very much for having me i've really enjoyed chatting to you we really hope that you found this insight into another B Corp both informative and entertaining. So make sure you don't miss any of our chats with B Corporations by subscribing to either our podcast, available on all good providers, or the Green Elephant YouTube channel. And please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions about being or becoming a B Corp or any comments and suggestions about the show, please do get in touch. You can email studio at greenelephant.show or visit our website, greenelephant.show or find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or Twitter by searching for at Green Elipod or The Green Elephant Show. You can also review the show on Google and Apple Podcasts. Join us next time and we hope you have a sustainable and socially responsible week.